I hear enough of my voice bouncing off my walls when <laughs> I'm teaching my wife every morning. I just want to say thank you for coming uh, today. And again, happy Father's Day. Um, I know that many of you, maybe your fathers, your biological fathers aren't here with you today. Um, but I want to focus on the fact that none of us in this auditorium, none of, none of us in this sanctuary can say that we don't have a father. And in fact, we have the greatest father. We have the greatest father that anybody could ever know. A faithful father, a loving father, a father that keeps his promises, a, prom- uh, a father who never fails, a father who gave his only begotten son to cover us, to forgive us of all of our sins, to give us life. I'm going to pray. Father, you are almighty God. You are so good and so wonderful. And so often we don't praise you enough. So often we look at our lives and, and we can look at what we don't have. And, or we can gloat in what we do have by our own strength and by our own works. But Lord, we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have breath. We wouldn't even have ears to hear what your spirit has to say to us had not you have created us in your image and given us life. We just praise you, Lord. We thank you. Let us look at so many things in our life that we can thank you for instead of waking up each day, starting off thinking of what we don't have. I pray, Lord, I know that there's people here. I don't know their hearts, but there could be people here who aren't saved. There could be people here who are saved and backslidden or that are following close to you. Lord, I pray that your word would speak to all of them, Lord. I I pray that it would not return back to you void. I pray that you would receive the praise and glory that you so richly deserve, and not with our mouths, but with our life. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I titled this, this message that God gave to me called, Who's your daddy? You hear that term a lot today, but it really has a diminished meaning, but you all know where I'm going with this. Because throughout history, a lot of people have claimed that God is their father. In fact, some of the most religious, most morally righteous people have claimed that God is their Father. I want us to really just open our hearts to what the Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Because I'd like, like us to answer the questions in our own heart. Are we under the law or under grace? Are we standing in Christ's righteousness or our own? Are we free? Or are we still under the bondage of sin and the curse of the law? Are we a friend of God? Are we an enemy? Do we have joy and peace? Or do we have despair and no rest? You know, I've, I've, I've got a lot of freedom lately uh, that God has given me to spend a lot of time with my family. A lot of time with my son, Isaac. And it's been a joy. And God is, I don't know if this is true with you, but God speaks to me 
through him, through Isaac. He speaks to me through him. He speaks to me through creation. And I want to give these examples to you right off the get-go because I, I, I wasn't able to to, to uh, the early service. But Isaac and I have been spending so much time together. I've, I'm teaching him how to mow the lawn. We're going on walks together. And when I, when I first had him out there mowing the lawn with me, you know, I'd have, it's a self-propelled lawnmower, so, um, you know, I'd have to start it, put my hands on it, and then he'd join me and put his hands on the mower, and we'd go around the house, and the first time we went through the whole entire yard, like, it was like butter. It was smooth as silk. And then the following week, I'm like, hey, you want to come out and mow the lawn? Sure, sure, sure. And he comes out, and about halfway through, when I want to turn left, he wants to turn right. And when I want to go straight, he sort of digs in his feet. And I'm like, what's going on here? And I got a little bit frustrated, you know. I was like, what's going on? So I stopped the more. I'm like, Isaac, what are you, what are you doing? And I go, you've you, you got to go alongside me. If I'm going to turn right, I want you to follow my lead. And, you know, his little lips started to quiver. And he's like... And I was like, my heart's breaking because I'm like, you know, I love him. He's my son. He's my miracle son. And a lot of you know the story. Maybe some of you will know a deeper story in August. But I love him. I love to spend time with him. But I told him, I said, as long as you're going to go against me, you see, this isn't going to be a very smooth ride. And I fear, and, and God sort of spoke to me through that. And he says, hey Hans, that's you. <laughs> that's you. See, I'm, I'm, and we often can be like that. And I think there's a lot of us too that, you know, we, like Paul told the Galatians that, he, he goes, I, I do not frustrate the grace of God. See, we're either free and, and, and under imputed righteousness from Jesus Christ. Or we're still trying to work it being righteous. And you can't have it both ways. There has to be an agreement there. And, and there was another situation that arose up that, you know, I'd go for a walk and we'd, we'd walk alongside the, the golf course and there's all these trees that, that sort of, you know, go laterally with the sidewalk. And we're walking one day, and all these beautiful maples, and they alternate colors, and they've got the green maples, the red maples, and all of a sudden, we went by this one tree, and it was completely bare. Not a single leaf on it. Bark off, falling off, it was rotted. And I was like, what? What's, what's going on with that? And I couldn't quite figure it out. I stopped there and looked look at it, and then we went further down the, further down the sidewalk, and then I saw little, these leaves on the other trees with bite marks in it. There were bites and stuff all throughout the leaves. And all of a sudden we started to notice something. Caterpillars. Gypsy moth caterpillars. And I was like, ah. And God spoke to me about that too. He speaks to us through his creation. And he told me, he's like, you see, a, a tree without life is dead. 
And sometimes moths and caterpillars can come in and completely kill a tree that had life once. And it spoke to me of someone who's unsaved and doesn't have life at all. It spoke to me of me before I knew Jesus Christ. And then the other trees that had bite marks and stuff in it spoke to me of, you know, sometimes our lives can show evidence that there are things, there are are things in our life that has eaten the fruit away. It's eaten the leaf. It's eaten the life. And eventually, if, if those moths and stuff aren't dealt with, they aren't eliminated. They aren't concealed and covered. They're going to kill that tree if they're allowed to persist. And so the tree bears... The tree doesn't speak words. Like it doesn't have a mouth. But we see evidence of it. We see evidence of what's going on. And I find that there are two types in the Bible. There, there are those who are covered by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And... Their sins have been forgiven and wiped clean. And there's peace and there's joy. And then there's those that aren't covered by Christ's righteousness. And and they're all about religion and works. And establishing their own righteousness. And you see, see, there's no peace or rest there. Your life is getting eaten away little by little. And, and, and there's um, the, the evidence of the life is clearly seen. And if you notice, like the Pharisees, there's a lot of cynicism, you see. They, they, they point the finger. They have a lot of knowledge. But they profess to have life. But, they, but you see, their leaves and their fruit is showing, that, it's showing who their father is. It's showing who that seed, the seed that was planted, it it shows where they came from. And you see they're in captivity. They're in darkness. And and the darkness hates the light. And and here Jesus comes into the situation that we're going to be talking about in a little bit. And and they, they want to come against Him. They want to put out the light. That's what religion does. See, religion wants to choke out the life of the Holy Spirit. Of the light, of true life. Turn to Romans chapter 4. I'm going to read these verses. It says, What shall we say then that Abraham, our father, as pertaining to the flesh, is found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he he is whereof the glory, but not before God. For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believes on him that justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So we draw our attention to Abraham. 
And you know, so often, so often, like he says here, he, if it were of works, he, he has whereof to glory, but not before God. And God says to him, to Abraham, he said to him all the way back in Genesis, the same thing that he wants to say to each one of you today. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to show you something marvelous. I'm going to show you even before things even happen in your life, even before you can bring forth fruit, I'm going to show you something so wonderful. I'm going to speak it in advance. And I'm, and I'm just asking you to believe it. I'm going to take you. I'm going to take your wife. I'm going to, I'm going to take you where there's no fruit. I'm going to take you out of Babel out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and I'm going to call you to, where I'm, to a place that I'm going to show you. And you are going to be a father of many nations. You are going to bear fruit. Not by your own strength. I'm going to do something wonderful in you. In fact, I'm going to show you my total plan of salvation for mankind. I'm going to tell you that secret, Abraham. I'm going to tell you through your life, through things that I'm going to bring into your life, things that are going to happen to you that are miracles that would never happen in your own strength. It's so interesting that after the flood, after the evidence of God's judgment on earth, here it's not too long after that, that man begins to build their religious system. And you know, through Noah and his sons, the word went out. It had to have, right? I mean, they had to have talked about, hey, you know what happened? You know, we, you know the flood, and we built, God told my father to build an ark, and he saved us, and he preserved us. And, but it wasn't too long, and all of a sudden they're building a tower. They're building their religious system. They're building their educational systems. Their political systems, their false religious systems, thinking that they can breed in themselves life through knowledge. Remember what happened in the garden? God said, I'm gonna, I want to freely give you something. I want to freely give you life. I, all this of the garden I've given you, I want to give it to you. It's imparted to you. I want you to eat of it. But don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then they did, and, and it brought a curse. And it's interesting how religious people have such wonderful knowledge. They can have such great theology and yet be empty and not bear any fruit and be accusers of people who do have life. And try to put down and turn off the light like they, did, they tried to do to Jesus. But God says, Abram, I'm going to take you out of that Babylonian system. That death. And I'm going to show in you, in your wife's womb, through your seed, a promise that I have for you. Now, all you have to do, Abram, is you have to believe it. 
You have to believe Him. And there's a lot of people today that say, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe He's coming back any moment. I really do. I love Jesus. I believe. And yet, you ask them, well, you see, your neighbor, your, your, your neighbor doesn't know me. He, 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 my neighbor doesn't know the joy that I've given you, the freedom of sin and death, a victorious life that could be had in me if they would put their faith and trust in me. And have you, have you told them about me? And, and you said you believe that I'm coming back, but you, you know, that means that I'm coming back to, to, to judge sin. I'm coming back to, to, to take my bride up and to judge the world for sin because of their rejection of me, my, the rejection of my son. And, but your neighbor, he, it's okay if he dies. It's okay if he doesn't know me because you said you believe. You said you believe I'm coming back any moment, but you don't want to tell anybody about me. You see, the belief here that Abraham has was a trust. It was, it was as good as when God spoke it, when, the same word that God spoke. He said, look at the stars. Because God created the stars by His word. He created the heavens and the earth and everything therein. He spoke it. He said, let there be light, and there was light. His word spoke. And that same word spoke to Abraham and said, Abraham, look at the stars. Look at what I've created. If you can number them, I'm going to make your seed as those. I'm, I'm going to multiply you, and you're at an old age, and it's impossible for you to do it. But if you believe that I can do it, Abraham, I can do it. Do you believe me? Turn to Genesis chapter 15. I'm just going to go I'm going to go over a few chapters. You don't have to follow just you could stay right here in 15. And it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. See, there's nothing that you could have attained in Babylon that could come close to what I'm going to give you. In me, in my person, in my plan for salvation, in my promise. There's, there's not enough trophies that you could put on your mantle from Babylon, from the Ur of the Chaldees. There's not enough works that you can gloat in that people are going to remember than what I'm about to tell you if you're willing to believe it. And he says, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. And not only that, Abram, I am going to teach you the future. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to all of the people that come from your seed. I'm going to tell, them, I'm going to tell you everything in advance and it's, and it's going to be fulfilled in my son. And Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? 
And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me you have given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of your own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars if you're able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall your seed be. And he believed in the Lord and it counted to him for righteousness. God laid it upon, his righteousness upon him because he believed. Just like your own child that you tuck in at night and, and you, you lay the blanket over him and he's covered and it conceals all of his iniquities because you're believing in the integrity of my word that I'm making a promise to you and that I have spoken it and I will accomplish it. I am going to save you, Abraham. I'm going to save the whole human race and I'm going to use you. Where there was no life, I'm going to breathe life. And God begins to show him. Like, this is so wonderful. So awesome. He, he shows him through his life because, you know, before chapter 15, he had told him, I'm going to make you a father of many nations. But then years go by and, and then, you know, Lot goes off and he, Abraham has to rescue Lot. And then God's like, no, if, 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 you're, if you're ready to hear what the Spirit has to say to you, Abraham, I'm going to hook you up with this guy named Melchizedek. He's a priest. He's a king. And you're gonna break, he's going to break bread and wine with you. I'm going to show you my priesthood through your life, through your meeting of Melchizedek. And Abram's like, okay. Whoa. Okay, how's all this going to work? How, how, how's all this going to work? And, and then, he, you, know, you know the story. He goes off and, and Hagar comes into the picture and... And he said, well, this, maybe this is the way he means he's going to multiply. Maybe this is the way. And Ishmael's born, and God's like, no, 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 no. It's not going to be through the working of the flesh. Not through your understanding. It's going to be through my understanding. It's going to be through what I've said. I'm going to do this in you. I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it for you. And, and, and Abram's walking with God. Just as I was walking with my son, you know, along the golf course. He's walking with God and he's taking him through his life. And he says, hey, you know, all of a sudden these three men appear in the plains of Mamre outside the tent. And, and you know, they're 99 years old. <laughs> you know, I'm going to... Sarah, she's going to have a child. She's going to bring us forth a son. And we all know this story. She laughed. And, and of course, if you read previous in Scripture, Abraham laughed as well. They both laughed about it. But Abraham standing before these three men. And we know that two of them were sent down into Sodom and Gomorrah to judge. And, and God's telling him, Abram, not only am I going to give you a son, I want to show you something else. I want to show you that I am going to pass judgment on sin. And Abram's like, well, Lot, you know, Lot's down there. And then he, he has this discussion with him. You wouldn't, you wouldn't judge the righteous with the wicked. 
I mean, if there were 50 righteous, and we know the story, right? And, and God's like, no, no, no. I will remove the righteous, and then I will judge, showing God's faithfulness. So in advance, God's telling Abraham, I'm going to show you in the future what's going to happen with all of mankind. I, I know who my people are. I know who my children are. And, and I will rescue them. And then I will pass judgment. And it says that they, those angels went down there and then one stood before Abraham in chapter 18 and the Lord said, the Lord said, wait a minute, there were three, two went down to judge and yet one stood before Abraham and Abraham says, and it says here, the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham that thing which I do? Shall, shall I veil what I'm going to do? Or do I want to show him the promise that I'm going to give him a son, but I'm going to show him that through that seed, I'm going to give my son, my most precious son, I'm going to give my son for all of you. And he says, for I know him. I know him. Isn't it nice to be known by God? that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken of him. Abram's walking. He's continued to move forward, walking in the promise that what God says is as good as done. It's going to happen. And then God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, and then here he gives him, you know, he gives him Isaac. Isaac, finally, finally, the seed of promise. God says, here he is. Here's the most precious person in your life. You're, you, are going, you are going to just fall in love with him. Because he's always going to be an example to you of my promise. That I'm going to multiply you, Abraham. I'm going to multiply you like the stars in the sky. And then, he doesn't just take him away then. He, he allows Abram to have a relationship with him. And then when he's a young, younger man, not a younger man, but you know, an a older boy, not quite a man, he says, okay, now what I want you to do is, I want you to take your son, you know the one of promise that I said I would multiply your seed with? I want you to take that son, your only begotten son, and I want you to take him, the one that you love. And I want you to put him up on that altar. I want you to bring him up on top of Mount Moriah. And I want you to offer him up. And you know what? Abraham believed him. And Abraham did it. He was obedient to it. And he believed in resurrection. How do we know this? Scripture tells us. He told his servants, hey, we'll be back. We're going to go up. We'll be back. But he believed God. He believed God even so much so that even if he slayed Isaac, that God would resurrect him. The Scriptures tell us that. In Hebrews. But you see, the Pharisees... They, they said they believed too. They said the same Abraham that God gave the promise to through Isaac, 
that they believed. Turn to John chapter 8. See, not only did he show him that, not, not only did God show Abraham the promise of his son, he went, even went further. And because he, you know, I, I love the question that Isaac said even. He goes, well, da- you know, Dad, you got the wood, got the fire, where's the lamb? And Abram says, God will provide the lamb. And there was a, you know, and he goes to, he goes to be obedient. He was going to slay him. And God stopped him. said, don't lay a hand on him. I'm going to remind you again, Abram. This is going to be my doing. I will provide the lamb. And they saw a male lamb with his horns caught in the thicket. A picture of Jesus Christ with a crown of thorns. And he says, I'm going to provide the lamb through your seed. And so I want to show you something else. I want to show you something else, Abram. Something else in the future that I'm going to do. Your son's going to grow up. And I have this servant. And I've put him in your home. You're a father. You're going to be a father of many nations. And this servant in, in, in Genesis chapter 24, he's going to be over everything in your house. And I have a mission for him. I'm going to send him out to find a bride for your son Isaac. A picture of the Trinity. I'm going to show you. See, Abram, I am your shield. I am your exceeding great reward. I'm, I'm, going, to ex- I'm going to show you who I am. Just as he wants to show each and every one of you who he is. And just as Abram, the father, sends his servant to find a bride for his son, Isaac, God has sent his spirit out into the world to find a bride for his son, Jesus. How faithful is God? Right from the beginning, right from the very beginning, he's showing him everything that he's going to do. But you see, there's others that claim to be the seed of Abram. You know, and I, and I just want to say that a lot, we, we as Christians, we tend to pick on the Pharisees and the Sadducees a lot. Some might say rightfully so. But I, I, I dare say that there's a little bit of that in each and every one of us. To some extent. We like to gloat. We like to appear knowledgeable and know what we're talking about. We're religious. We're holy. There's a little bit of pride in every single one of us. But the question is, is, well, both things can't be true, you see. You might be born of Abram through the seed, through a physical seed, but you're surely not the seed of Abraham through promise. You say you believe, but your actions don't really 
prove what you believe. In chapter 8, verse 24, Jesus says to them, I said there unto you that you shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he. Did you catch that? If you believe not. If you don't hold my word, if you don't believe that I am the one, I'm the promised seed. I'm the one that came to die for you. I love you, Pharisee. I know my speech is more direct and it seems to have a different tone, doesn't it, throughout Scripture. Why? Because to much is given, much is required. They had the law. They had the knowledge. They were educated in the greatest systems on planet Earth. But as we see, no generation has ever existed more than this generation that you and I are living in today that has more educational systems on planet Earth than this generation. We have a university on every corner. We have churches all over the place. We have synagogues. We have mosques. We have, we're, we have everything that we could ever want here in the United States of America that can give us knowledge. But it's not life-saving knowledge. And none of it, none of it can address sin. Just like the tree of knowledge of good and evil can never conquer sin. Only the promised one, only Jesus Christ, who is prophesied to come through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to pay for all of our sins. And you see, the Pharisees, they had this knowledge. But God loves them. He wouldn't have told them this if He didn't love them. And sometimes truth is very hard to hear. Sometimes we, it rocks the boat. I don't know if you ever experienced this, but when I'm reading the Bible, I get jolted every now and then. God speaks something so clearly to my heart and He rattles me and it's like, it's like Hans, you know, the Holy Spirit, if the boot fits, you better wear it. You better hear what I'm trying to tell you. Because you didn't get jolted for no reason. And you have a response to what the Spirit is telling you. You could either receive it and say, yes, Lord, I'm guilty. Or, you know what? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You're holier than thou. This Bible stuff. And, you know, you, you self-professed Christian telling me that, you know, I'm in danger or bringing my family in danger by my lifestyle. Who are you? We all sin. You know, you can, our attitudes towards Jesus Christ reveal a lot about who we are and who's our daddy. In verse 31 of chapter 8, Jesus, he said to those Jews who believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How do you say you shall be made free? And Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever commits sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said unto them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abram. 
But now you seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. You do the deeds of your father. And then they said unto him, We're not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. And Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. If you scoot on down to 54, he says, Jesus said, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father that honors me, of whom you say that he's your God, that you have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you, but I know him and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. (laughs) Here he is, the promised one. The one promised to Abraham all the way back in Genesis. The fulfillment of the prophecy that through his seed the whole world would be blessed, embodied in God the Son, in Jesus Christ, standing and he said, your father Abraham, the one you're confessing or professing to be your father, he rejoiced to see my day. And he was glad And then the Jews said unto him, You're not even 50 years old and you have seen Abraham? Wait a minute. Did you catch that? Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And again, see, they're religious minded. They turn around and say, When have you seen Abraham? No, it's not about when I've seen Abraham. It's Abraham saw me. All the way back when I called him and told him to look at the stars. And I told him, if he can number them, so shall thy seed be. And that I would come and save you. Look what he says here. Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. Boom! There he is. And they took up stones to cast at him. Jesus was claiming to, be, to exist before he was ever born as a babe in Bethlehem. He said, he rejoiced to see my day. You know in Galatians chapter 3, uh, verse 8, it says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. God preached the gospel to Abram. God didn't, he, he, and he changed his name. He gave him a new name. I'm going to make you a father of many nations, he says. I, see, I'm doing the work. John the Baptist spoke of Abraham. He said, don't say within yourself that Abraham's your father, that that's enough. That's enough to save you. God's able to raise up these stones to become the sons of Abraham. 
Here's John the Baptist. He made of himself no reputation. He could have claimed a lot. He could have gloated a lot about his own righteousness, I'm sure. I mean, Jesus said of him, there's not been a man ever born of women that is as great as John. And he didn't see John going around, yep, my father's a priest. My father prophesied of me, saying I would be the prophet of the Most Highest. No, John said, I must decrease and he must increase. And I'm wondering if that's true today. Because if it is, I've got great news. See, there's fruit that comes from each of those trees that I was talking about. It says back in Romans chapter 4. Verse 6 through 8. Even as David also describes the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputes righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. There should be blessing. I'm, I'm either free or I'm still in bondage. And you know, if I'm in bondage, I can't be free. I can't be blessed. I can't feel. I can't show people through my life that I'm blessed if I'm still under the curse, trying to earn my salvation through my works and holding the traditions of men and the traditions of my church and the traditions of man higher than what God's Word has said. And God says, I want to make you free. He that has the Son has life. He that does not have the Son does not have life. You're either free, you're either a slave. You're either a son or you're not. Son or daughter. And the glorious thing is, is we've all been adopted children into His kingdom. We're all adopted. It doesn't matter if we were born through the Jewish race or the Gentiles, all the races of the world. It makes no difference. Righteousness doesn't come through physical seed. It doesn't come, my daddy is the pastor, whatever. I'm righteous. No. It's do you believe? Do you believe? Do you trust? Do you believe that my word is as good as gold? When I made a promise to you and I said, whosoever, Jew or Gentile, believeth on me has eternal life. See, with Abraham, he believed. And it was accounted to him for righteousness. And the fruit of his belief was carried out the rest of his life. He lived in a way that reflected his belief in what God says. Now, is God a truth teller or is he a blasphemer? He's a truth teller, right? It's a rhetorical question. So if we know that he speaks the truth, then why, then why do we all tend to like, you know add to it. 
Yes, God, you, you told me I'd have everlasting life. If I just go to church every Sunday and volunteer here and volunteer there, and I'm just going to show you. I'm going to show you how good I am, God, because I want everybody else to know too, because I don't want anybody in this church thinking that I'm not a real Christian. I'm going to go do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. God's like, no, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to believe on Him whom He has sent. I want you to have a relationship. I want to have a relationship with you. I love you. You Pharisee, I love you. You Sadducee, I love you. I'm, I'm telling you the truth. Child of God, I love you, God says. I'm doing this all because I love you. That's what I did with Abraham. I told him all of it because I love you. I love you, Abraham. I'm going to prove it to you. You can't prove it to me how much you love me, but I'm surely going to prove to you how much I love you. I'm going to give my only begotten son to die for your sins. And that alone, that alone saves you. Do you believe? Do you believe? I want to end... Let's end in Psalm 21. While you're getting there, I just want to read something real quick. It said, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law. That's in Galatians 4, chapter 4. Or, sorry, Galatians 4. To redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, thou art no more a servant. You're not a servant anymore. You're a son. And if you're a son, you're an heir an heir of God through Christ. You're an heir. I've, I've made it happen to you. I've made it happen for you. I performed it. And there should be great joy. There should be great blessing in that. And David, that's what this um, Romans was quoting. He was quoting Psalm 32, where David talks about um, you know, the blessedness, the joy of a person who's had their sins forgiven and covered. We know David's life. We know the sin that God forgave him. But in Psalm 21, he says, The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and has not withholding the request of his lips. For you prevented him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest him even length of days forever and ever. Eternal life. For his glory is great in thy salvation. Honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever. Thou hast made him exceedingly glad with thy countenance. And we have to ask ourselves, is that how people view us? I mean, do we really have true joy? Do we really know the gift? I struggle with this myself. I'm like, God, are you... It's like, it's hard to even comprehend all that God's done in our life. He's given me a wonderful wife. And yes, 
it is Father's Day, but I'm telling you what, I, could, I know, I, me personally, I could never be a father without a wife who's encouraging to me. Because I'd fall flat on my face if I didn't have her encouraging me. So my wife helps me to be a better father. And what a blessing it is to know that our sins are forgiven and that we, we didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. It's imparted to us. It's imputed to us. And on the cross, not only did Jesus forgive us of all of our sins by his shed blood, but he rose again from the dead to give us eternal life. If you're going to put your faith and trust in him, the the question I have to leave you with today, the first question was, who's your daddy? The The last question is, could you believe If he is your daddy, could you believe that he did all of this for you? Because he loves you that much. And he loves his son. Could, can, could you believe it? Because the answer to that question will be lived out after that answer and how we, how we respond that so I'm going to end I'm going to have Matt play a song that really spoke to my heart it's simple just like the gospel it's really simple but we, we complicate things man complicates things so much Father thank you for being with us today I felt that before this message when we were singing I felt different can't even explain it, Lord. I just felt like the Holy Spirit was here. I felt with hearing all the voices cry out to you and sing your praises, I, I felt like, wow, I could literally just transfer right in this sanctuary, right up, right up in heaven, like no, like no time passed. I just thank you for making your presence known to us here today. And I do pray that, Lord, that your word would not return void. Thank you for getting this long-winded knucklehead <laughs> through this. And I, I, pray that, uh, I pray that the people would, would feed upon your word more, Lord, and would just praise your name, for you are worthy. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.